Wow. What an episode. It is a long one, but a good one, um, particularly while I'm doing this series on plant medicine. Uh, if you are interested in hearing from someone who really was not in this world or not in this space at all, never been exposed really to psychedelics or any of that, and who just had a strong calling and went and followed that calling and had a very profound, very abrupt spiritual awakening, then this podcast is for you. Um, it is with my best girlfriend, Anna, friend that I've had since I was 11 years old. And she came with me to Saltara in January. And in this episode, we go through the entire experience and how it was um, mainly for her, but you know, there were some really insightful moments for me as well, even just now reflecting back on our journey together at Saltara, doing four ceremonies of ayahuasca together. Um, and yeah, right at the end is where she really talks about that very, very big awakening and how challenging it was and how challenging it has been and still is for her. Um, really honor her for her truth and for sharing everything so openly. And I hope you love this episode. Thank you for joining me. Welcome, loves, to this episode of In My Truth. I have a very special guest with me today, my best girlfriend since I was 11 years old, Anna Stoker. I was about to say Anna Malitho, but that was your <laughs> pre, pre-married name. Um, yeah. Anna and I have known each other, yeah, as I said, since we were 11, I think grade six when I moved to Queensland and um, went to the same primary school as her and we ended up going to high school together before I got thrown out of that school and <laughs> I've just uh, lived parallel journeys and sometimes they're similar and sometimes they're different. But I'm really excited to have you on the show today, Anne, because and what we're going to talk about, my pleasure. And what we're going to talk about is um, your journey with me at Saltara in January last year. And I think it's really fascinating because... Oh, January this year? Oh, January this year. Yeah. (laughs) It feels like another lifetime ago before all of this coronavirus stuff. It feels like a different world. It totally does. It totally does. It was actually only like six or seven months ago. It yeah. was, I know. And I've evolved so much since that journey and I'm <sighs> really excited to hear about your evolution. But um, Anna is probably would have been one of the last people I would have imagined to come with me, which doesn't really feel like that now because if I look back on our life, we've, you know, as I said, parallel journeys. We've done a lot of things together um, over the years, but... I've been living in the US for five years. Anna still lives in Brisbane in Australia and, um, you know, not really spiritual or a user of psychedelics or anything like that, but I'll let you tell the story, but feeling, you know, called and ended up that we, we journeyed to Saltara together in January and sat in four ayahuasca ceremonies. So it's just um, an amazing experience for me to be able to share who I am now with you, um, and yeah. to have you know and understand that side yeah. of me, and so, um, so yeah, it's amazing. And I think just the experience that you had that I witnessed, which we will also I'll let you say in your words, but going, I would describe it as you know a very intense awakening. Yes, <laughs> um, going from yes. not really being awake, so to speak, and um, not even really knowing what ayahuasca was or why you were going, um, yeah, than a deep it's making me emotional already. Oh, I love you <laughs> in a good way, like in a good way, just yeah, it's 
it's they're all coming back. So, which is a good mm-hmm. thing. So anyway, I'll stop telling your story for you and let you tell it, but um, welcome. Thank you for joining us and, and tell us a little bit about you as well and who you are. And- yeah. Oh, thank you, my darling. It's so, so cool to be on here with you. Thank you for inviting me and yeah, thank you for being, oh, thank you for being you because, oh, like I said, I'm emotional, but it is, there is nothing and no one else in my life that had been so profound and changed me the way that you have I I can't even imagine the person I was and the person I am now being the same you know like it's just so so different so just my little my little background yes we grew up together um got married at the same time Mm. lost what we rewind back we lost our virginity on the same night kissed Um, kissed our first boys together on the same uh, night different boy but it was first kiss on the same night (laughs) we did I sometimes forget about that um so yeah we just lived these lives I always looked up to you um but we were just we were just so different I, I did what I wanted you did what you wanted and we just stayed so close the whole time and you've just always been my rock and hopefully you know I mean I've been your rock as well and and I met my beautiful husband when I was just early 30s and I had been pretty much for about 15 years prior, I had been struggling with anxiety and an eating disorder. So bulimia, I'd struggled with bulimia for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I met my husband at a time in my life where I was doing a lot of self-improvement, but I also had done a lot of sweeping under the rug. So I had done a lot of push forward, move on. I'm a different person now. And I had never actually got any, I got really not got down to the root cause or to the, to the um, base of why I was acting the way I was, why I had my eating disorder or why I had such anxiety. And I had a lot of health issues at the time, um, autoimmune issues and just, yeah, was, I was not feeling good when I met my husband um, wasn't feeling very good physically. Um, went through a few years with him. He's just, that's like another podcast. He's just amazing. He's just like the best thing ever that's happened to me next to you. And he was so, 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 so supportive. So we spent years working on my health and his health too and um, changing our lifestyles into our, um, like a low-tox lifestyle, um, organic food, just started going down a more natural route to look after myself. And, and that was great that that did work wonders for me. I started feeling good again and I felt great. Like I've, I've, I've worked things out. I sort of thought like I got to the top of the mountain. Yay. But really there is no top of the mountain. So we had our first baby and the pregnancy was actually the best time of my life. I have never, ever, ever felt so content and so happy. And then the day I had my baby boy, my perfect little Ari, I fell into postnatal depression like instantly. And I, I didn't really tell anyone. I didn't really understand what was happening with my body. I, I just kind of powered through and was just a bit of a mess really. And I stayed that way for quite a while. I didn't get help until about four months later. And I went to see a, a counsellor about it and, you know, felt like, again, I was able to tackle things differently. Fast forward to my second baby. I 
obliviously thought I'd be fine. I was going to have my little girl. Everything's great. Had my baby girl and bam, got hit really, really bad this time with postnatal depression and anxiety. And just, again, suffered through that because I, I was, I was told by beautiful people that were trying to help me that I had such a beautiful life. I had healthy children. You know, I've got nothing to worry about. You know, you're all good, Anna. That's kind of what I was told. So I just kind of said, okay, yep, I'm good. I'm good. And then you, Sarah, this is like a very important kind of part of my journey because there's actually a photo of you sitting next to me on my couch when you came to visit me when I had Evie as a baby. Mm-hmm. And you looked at me and you said, what's up, Anna? Like, come on, what's up? And I said, oh, I'm good, I'm good. And you said, no, you're not. You look, you look like a mess. <laughs> and we had our other best friends, Gemma and Silvana there. And I just bawled my eyes out. I said, I don't know. I just was so anxious. I, I just, I just don't know how to do life. Like I, I'm just, I'm really struggling. And that was great because that sort of started pushing, you, you know, opened up another little path to me um, to do some healing. So I did, I, again, did a lot of reading, a lot of self-help, a lot of started meditation, just did lots and lots of little things and started to feel better, but just not, not great. And it was only, it was maybe, I think Evie was two and you had already been to Saltara and I had heard your journey, but I hadn't read about it. I just sort of heard it. You told me about it and I just sort of thought, wow, that sounds amazing. I'm going to, you know, look into that. And then I got to a point in our life where I realised the anxiety and the, and the depression really because it, it kind of is, you know, a different end of the scale, isn't it, with mm-hmm. anxiety and depression. I realised that it something was missing. I couldn't heal my anxiety and depression and the connection with my children wasn't what I wanted. I felt like I... I mean, we were living in a bit of us. We were living in a stressful situation. We had a toddler and a baby, and we renovated and moved house, and we're building a home. So it was actually a lot of a lot of external stresses as well. But but I remember us but, talking at the time about how you know, yeah. and this was obviously advantage of me knowing you for so long, but watching the the focus of the anxiety just shift from one thing to the next over yeah, the years. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, from the food to the to the health to the babies to it just it just wasn't really going away. And during this time, you know, you'd mentioned Sultara, I'd been in this stressful family situation and I mean it, it, it wasn't fun. My poor husband lost his hair from stress because it was actually stressful. We're not in that position now. We're in a, we're in a beautiful brand new home that my husband built, so it's it's amazing. Um, but we, it was hard to get here but I did know that I wasn't coping at all. I was not coping being a stay-at-home mum and I just, yeah, I felt like my my healing wasn't, I wasn't doing what I needed to heal. I felt like, and no disrespect to, the, to modern medicine, no disrespect to counsellors, I just honestly felt like they didn't have what I needed mm-hmm. and I didn't know why I felt that. I just felt that and I started re- reading Louise Hay and just started to, started to look at the, the, the ancestral wounding that I had never heard of before but just started to look at things 
in a different way. And something that really, really hit me was Louise Hay talks about the things that the way that you are and the way that you live your life is what you what you model to your children. So I thought that I was going to trick the system and that my kids wouldn't have anxiety or depression and they would be great. But I realised that I had been modelling for years my anxiety and I thought, well, crap, okay, there's another nice little thing to add. I thought I don't want to pass on this to my beautiful babies. And my mum, so this is all kind of happening at the same time, you know, you'd been to Sotara and I'd been very stressed and then my beautiful mum had been diagnosed with cancer and she was super, super sick. And it was, it, that rocked me, that rocked my world. And I remember, I remember sending you videos and photos of me, Sarah, just saying, I'm a mess. I, I don't know how to cope with this. I don't know what to do. And I, um, again, started thinking, I mean, I, I you know, my mum was getting, was getting help. And I then sort of came back to myself thinking, okay, Again, I was looking at the path I was on, this not very emotionally stable path, and my body was telling me that I wasn't wasn't feeling good. I was having skin issues and gut issues and different things were happening in my body. It was like my body was telling me, come on, Anna, you know, this isn't working for you. And I looked and thought, I'm I'm going to be like my beautiful mum if I don't do something now, I'm going to, I'd had a skin cancer cut out. So that sort of rocked me and I had a melanoma. So I thought, okay, my body has given me enough signs now. I'm going to do something about this. And I I specifically didn't go and read your, I know that you had blogs about your Sultara experience, but I didn't want to read them because I thought if I read them, I'm going to know what your experience was and I'm going to have something in my mind about what I will feel and what I will experience. So I decided not to read it, but I just did a little bit of research about the retreat that you went to. And I just felt like this place was going to help me heal. And I didn't really know why, but I just said this is what I have to do. This is the this is the thing that my that has that I've been pointed towards. So I told my husband that I have to go to this retreat in Costa Rica with with, um, with Sarah in the middle of the house build. <laughs> yeah, the, ha- we, the house was half built. I was still breastfeeding my two year old. I told him on the couch, sat him down on the couch, and said, "I have to go to Sultara to drink plant medicine," and he said. Uh, what the fuck? Uh, no, no, dude, no, not doing that. And I just bawled my eyes out and I said, I'm really, really sorry to do this to you, but I fully believe that this is how I can heal. And I believe that if I don't access whatever this is, I don't even really know what this is, but if I don't do this, I feel like my health is going to go downhill. I just feel like it will because I'd already been doing the beautiful organic gut health diets for years. I'd been looking after myself physically. I just hadn't known how to do it mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. And after he saw me crying and I said, I actually said these words to him. Sounds pretty harsh, but I said, if I don't die, I'm going, if I don't go to Saltara, I'm going to die of cancer. 
Like that's how that's how strong the feeling was. I, not mm-hmm. now. Like I didn't. I wasn't going to die of cancer now, but I felt like the the things in my gut that the like the emotions in my tummy had been eating me alive. And mm-hmm. I just said, I don't go. I'm I'm going to get sick. I have to do this. And he actually literally like as soon as he saw my eyes and my and how sad I was and how I just had to do this, he said, "We'll make it work." <laughs> and mm. he's just yeah which is just so freaking beautiful. Oh, so, yeah, so he literally did make it work. Um, he supported and me. just before you dive in, for a little bit of context for those who, I mean, everybody who doesn't live in Australia that listens to this knows that Australia is really far away or thinks of Australia <laughs> as being really far away, and it is. So far. And how long did it take you to get there? It was like 30-something hours, wasn't it? It was like 38 hours of, yeah. 38 hours on either side <laughs> plus, you know, travel time to get to Tultara and, yeah, you were away for yeah. like quite a number of days in the end. Yeah, I was away for 17 nights. Yeah. So in, in the busiest period of our entire lives, I left for 17 nights and I'd never left my children before and I, I had, it was a really weird emotional feeling but I did not feel guilt I did not feel sad I just needed to go mm-hmm. it was it was really strange I remember packing thinking I, I kind of wish I don't have to go I, I wish I didn't have to put my family under this stress but I I just have to go and I left everyone I, they took me to the airport left them at the airport I did have a tear when my when my son ran back to me crying and hugging me I, I did have a tear but I also felt like babes, I'm coming back different. Yeah, I'm going to come back different. And, yeah, I just, as soon as I got on that plane, I just released. I just let it all be whatever it was. It was this not most non-anxious I've ever felt in my life. Little did I know what was ahead of me. <laughs> but I, I just knew. I just felt like, and, and you had told me before about the calling, and I thought, oh, I don't have a calling. And then I realised Oh my fucking god! I had a calling, <laughs> <laughs> pretty significant calling. Ever I've heard one. <laughs> I know. I mean, I trusted you with my life, so I didn't even have to think about the safety because I had a girlfriend say to me, "Oh my goodness, you're doing ayahuasca." I've heard horror stories in the jungle, and I said, "No, nah, not even going to take that on because this is not what it is. This I trust there." And you know, my friends once they realise that you've been there, they understood, but. I just said, no, this is, this is what I'm doing. And I went, it was just, yeah, it was in a, a, a pretty incredible trip because it was the first time I'd been alone in a long time and rocked up <laughs> to Costa Rica eventually after maybe, yeah, it was quite a while of travelling. Rock, rocked up to Costa Rica, you, the next morning you came into the room when you, when you arrived and that was just the coolest thing. You came in and you hopped walking around in your undies and just, I was just thinking. No, yeah. that doesn't sound like me. I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, no, I just thought, ah, oh, this is where I have to be. And I still didn't really know what the freaking hell I was doing there, but I was like, yep, this is what I have to do. And remember when we got on the, the it was there, it was more travelling after that, but when we got on the, the, ferry, the big ferry to get mm-hmm. to the island and I was sitting there with my arms on the, on the seat relaxing and you just looked at me and you're like, you are so different. You're like, you are not anxious. You are, you're not thinking about home. You are just in the moment. And I was like, yeah, 
I have to be, I have to do this. And you're like, I've never seen you like this in your entire life. So I just, I just, um, yeah, let, let the process happen. I think that's testament <laughs> to how much grandmother ayahuasca starts working with us beforehand as well. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think it's, especially your first time, it's, you can't necessarily see it while it's happening, but when you reflect back, you can sort of see those pivotal moments where you were called and where things started shifting inside you um, to get you ready. Like the medicine really does start working with you before, obviously during and then after. And the before and after, in my experience, is often so much more than what happens in ceremony. I mean, it's really intense as well, but it's so different when we're bringing it back to our real world. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, no, you're totally right, babe. Um, yeah, so got to the retreat and you were, you were you saying, oh, by the way, we do this thing called Vomitivo where you drink tea and then you vomit. And I was like, all right, sign me up. And I just, I think I had a massive ego. I still have an ego, everyone does, but I had a big ego at the time. And I thought, with, and I think also with the, the whole history of bulimia, which I haven't had for it's probably 10 years now, but... I thought, okay, I need to, I need to do this. I'm, I'm going to be able to do this ceremony. And I spoke to the be- one of the beautiful facilitators beforehand, and she said, if anyone has to mention if, they, if there's any issues about vomiting, and I went to her and I said, look, I'm just letting you know that I've had bulimia for 15 years. And she said, me too. And it was another one of those things, like, why? How did I go over to that girl and talk to her without? Like, it was almost like I was drawn to her, you know. And she's kind of like a mirror for me. And and I just, um, I mean, we, we can give a tiny little background of the vomitivo where you literally are given litres and litres of tea and you drink it until your body purges, until you vomit, uncontrollable vomit. And it can be really hard. I know that you've told me that you had, you you were fearful, so you, like, held on and you, were, you weren't able to just spew naturally. Mm. You had to... So someone had to push on your tummy or something, which mm-hmm. sounds horrible. Whereas I just, given this opening that I was going through, I just said, yep, I'm here, I'm doing it. And I sculled the tea and then I, I remember at one point saying, oh, this is actually painful. Like, this is not, like, I can't do this. And, and the facilitator looked at me and she said, you can take your power back. This isn't bulimia. This is you showing your body that you can handle, that everything's okay. And so I just kept drinking and drinking and then, had like the best projectile spews to make my body feel amazing. Like it just all came out and I, my ego was very, it was like so excited because I just thought, great, I did it. And then not that I did it for a, an applause. It was all, it was all personal, but our beautiful, um, our beautiful group were all cheering me on and saying, oh my goodness, you're the best, you did the best woman ever. It was so funny. It's like, this is really like out of this world, standing here congratulating each other for vomiting. Um, but it was the, it was the letting go that I understood. It was the symbolism of it, the letting your, letting go of those fears and being around in that group and letting go of the fear of other people mm-hmm. seeing you vulnerable. Yeah, you know we were we were very vulnerable, and and that was okay, and that was the beginning of that beautiful friendship that we had, or we have with that group of people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then um, the, yeah, the ceremony, the four ceremonies. So, would you, how how are we going to approach this? Do you want me to? <laughs> well, uh, I think I, I won't. I won't it's obviously, 
there's I can do dot points or how yeah how would you like to how would you like to hear about my ceremonies? I guess it would be great to just hear about some of the most profound moments. And I think if I look back on it, you know, there was, and I can't remember the days and all of that the same way you will, because they were your specific ceremonies. And obviously I was working through my things, but I remember, you know, at one point just you just being like, well, you know, I get it now. Like I see everything. And, and I remember you saying to me like, oh, everything you've ever said to me makes sense. And for me, it was this witnessing of somebody waking up and it was a beautiful reflection for me as well to realize sometimes why, um, I, I don't know, I felt maybe misunderstood or like a little bit different or something because here's my best friend in the whole world. Um, like telling me, Oh, now I can see you and hear you and feel you. Um, so I'd love to just hear about, maybe let's start with what, whatever that most, um, profound awakening part was. Yeah. So I don't think it was the last ceremony. I think we can talk about that as well because I know that was very intense for you, but it had happened before that. It was in one of the other ceremonies. Yeah. 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 So I think it was, it was the second ceremony for me that threw me in the deep end in, in a, in a beautiful way, but in a, you know, like, whoa, like my eyes were just like wide open sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like you, like you were saying, so the second ceremony, I, I was, I'm pretty hardcore. I have always done things in that way, but I know that I needed, I needed healing because this was such a one in a lifetime opportunity for the life stage of life I'm in. So I said, I'm going to have three quarters of a cup because, you know, some people went a bit slower. Like some people had um, second doses and I just said, yeah, I'll start with a three quarter cup and then I'll have a second dose. So I sort of went in with that, with that idea. And yeah, all of a sudden I was just, well, not all of a sudden, maybe 20 minutes later, I was just hit with this overwhelming sense of kind of like coming home. So I was compelled, I, I was deep, thrust deep into the psychedelic experience, compelled to lie on my mattress, like, because like we all, you know, as we haven't quite explained, we're all sitting on our mattresses on our comfy beds in this beautiful wooden structure, Maloka, in the forest. It's just so stunning. And I lay on the bed and I was compelled to lie like a starfish, like I'm an open vessel, I'm here, I'm here to do the work, I'm, I'm here for whatever you show me. And I said to the medicine, show me how to feel because these feel, the emotions and feelings in my body had been what I've been struggling with my whole life. So show me how to feel. And it was literally like my whole body woke up. I had every cell in my body was tingling and alive and I was in this multicolored vortex that I didn't even really know where I was. I just knew that I was in youth, a euphoric state of just my body coming alive again. And I started, I started crying my eyes out, but, there, but I was also laughing at the same time. So the tears were like a purge. So not a sad purge, just a purge. And the tears were just so, so many that they were just dripping down my face and I had to keep wiping my face because there was just so many tears. And I started, I started chanting and it was, it was amazing. I was chanting. I actually wrote, I wrote this down when I was chanting because I couldn't stop the chanting. It was just something that was happening in my body. 
and I was saying, this is what I've been searching for my whole life. It's whatever. It's got to be. I'm here. I'm open. I'm ready. It was always to come here. I was always meant to come here. It was just over and over, all these things about how I found what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And it was, and I couldn't, I didn't even know what I was saying. It was just coming out of me, like, thank you, thank you for bringing me here. And then you came up, thank you, thank you, Sarah, for bringing me here. Thank you for being my guiding angel. Like it was like I was, I've told you this before, but I was like just reaching into the sky saying, thank you, my Sarah, my Sarah, my Sarah. I needed this. Like this is just what I can searching for and lots of other lots of other things came through then too but it was more just this realization of why I was there and even though I hadn't quite been awoken spiritually at that point it was it was just showing me that this this it was kind of alluding me towards this spiritual path Anna is what was missing is what you had blocked out from your life and what you needed to tap into so that's how I felt and and it, and it was very, it was very, very intense. Like I say, it was euphoric, but it was actually too much. Like at some, at one point, I was like touching the wooden structure on the floor, thinking I'm going to burst out of my body. Like this was just, it was just so intense. And I just lay there. Every time I would like, I'd kind of writhe. You know, when you writhe around because mm-hmm. things a bit too uncomfortable. Every time I would just eventually just keep relaxing into the medicine and just I was just lying there watching the colours and, and all the downloads. It was like, oh, yeah, the downloads were like coming to me like, you know, like a slot machine at the casino where they turn and the slots, mm-hmm. they turn like like every second, you, they turn like 5,000 times. It was like that. It was like all these downloads just going bing, 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 all through my head and I was like, whoa, there's a lot to take in right now. This is a lot. This is a lot. But it was just... It was just this, the start of me connecting again back into my body, back to my emotions, back to my spiritual body. It was just really, really profound. So was that, that was the night, too. thinking of downloads and things, I remember one of your experiences about the food and you saw like all these, yeah. um, was that that night? Was that part of the um, downloads? Was, I think no, that, was that was interesting. Yeah, that was, that, that was actually the first but that I that was similar to the second ceremony so yeah that was I was uh, I was looking I was thinking about my bulimia and sort of why because I always thought it was just about wanting to eat that's what I always thought it was about and I saw that my mum it, it not saw not something that actually happened but I saw a vision of my mum who was really really unwell when I was sick I was I she, she was really really sick when I was tiny Mm-hmm. And my mom, this vision was with my mom with all this. With, it was like she had like eskies and eskies full of food. And she was saying, you can have whatever you need, darling. Like she was there for me and loving me, but because she was so sick, I then found my solace in the food. That's mm-hmm. how it felt. It was mm-hmm. like, this is where you found love. And it was somehow wrapped up in this quick little vision, but it was, that's how it felt. It was like, this is how you found love. You went to the food to find the love. It represented love and it represented yeah, it, filling that void in you yeah, where you felt yeah. the love was missing. Yeah. I, I think it's just, <clears throat> sorry. I think it's just so um, interesting to share some of these little like pieces where, cause I think that's yeah. the power of this medicine is 
these seemingly quirky visions and pieces that we put together. And it it is somewhat similar to a dream state. You know, every evening we go and have psychedelic experiences in our dreams, really. And if we take the time to actually dissect and analyze the dreams um, in a similar way to we would a psychedelic experience, I I think what happens often with in, in ceremony with plant medicine and such as we, we kind of get the answers. We, we sort of feel like we're guided into what these things mean, these symbols and stuff, but yeah, yeah. It was super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was just such a profound sort of little vision and, and kind of around that it was a lot with this, with the, um, the chanting, I feel like what, what came down from like what the downloads that were coming to me when I was doing, when I was laughing, singing, chanting, talking, all the things that kept coming out of my mouth, it was all these downloads were saying it's all in your throat, it's your thyroid disease, it's your tonsil issue, it's your teeth grinding, it's the losing your voice, it's your throat infections mm, and right. it's your bulimia mm. and it's your grinding. It was like every, oh, sorry, I said grinding, but it was, it was um, my jaw, it was, I had TMJ issues. It was all around my, my mouth and as I was purging with these thoughts, with these words, it was like, oh, I have to use my voice. I have to be honest. I have to speak my truth. And that's, that's how it felt. It felt like I have to heal by speaking the truth and being who I am because I felt like I, I wasn't. I wasn't being who I needed to be who, to heal basically. So, so that mouth mm-hmm. stuff was, it was, that was really profound. I just kept going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Every issue that I've had is all in that area. So, yeah, I... um feel like that was why I could not stop talking and my beautiful bedmate next to me could hear me and she was she wasn't quite in her experience at that point and she was she was telling me later that she just could hear me just going on and on and on and chanting and laughing and talking and she was like whoa that's what she you know what's happening sort of thing like she was quite amazed by how much I, I was saying just softly though I was trying not to interrupt people but I just couldn't stop my 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 voice from purging, basically. So I guess that's what they talk about, the purging. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just tears, vomit and diarrhoea. It, it can be other things. And for me, it was it was everything coming from my throat yeah. in order to heal, and which I have completely been more, way, way more in my truth since that night. Like I, it completely changed the way I speak, what I do, the way I live. It, yeah, it's completely changed things for me. And yeah, there, I mean, there were lots, there were lots of other beautiful things too. But yeah, that it was, it was the getting to the what I feel was the bottom of the bulimia and my health issues. That was kind of those those two important parts of those ceremonies. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I guess the because I remember you telling me with the intentions you set. So I my first one was I want to I want to know how to feel like to really really connect with my body with with people again, with my children, with my husband. So there was a lot of, you know, a lot of visions of my husband. And most of the time when I saw my husband, I was holding his face and saying, thank you. Like, thank you for being new. I mean, goodness me, I, I wouldn't be where I am today without him. And, and I was also apologizing to my husband and my babies a lot, just like, sorry that I couldn't be what you needed, but I'm, but I'm okay now. And I'm coming home. Like that's, that was, that was really, really sad too because I was, you know, I guess feeling like I wasn't showing up for them the way 
the way they needed and that was probably why my children had extreme separation anxiety because I just wasn't able to give them what they needed and and that happens with a lot of mums going through postnatal depression you just you don't have left anything left to, to give what they need so well, I just want to honor like your healing journey as well because you talk about you know, how painful it was, how beautiful it was to say, I love you. Thank you. And I'm sorry, but how painful it also is to see who you were when you were unable to show up the way, you know, you would, as we would consider our best. And I think, you know, at an unconscious level, that's what stops so many of us from healing because healing means facing who we were when we were unhealed. You know, and when yeah, we're unhealed, yeah. our shadow is showing up. We're acting in ways that, you know, we, we're constantly in shame for. We know that we don't necessarily want to be like that, but we don't know how to shift it. But at an unconscious yeah. level, you know, healing is difficult because then we have to see it all. Yeah, you <laughs> have to go, go back to the, to the and, pain. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I say. The, what, was, what did I read? It was like the, the healing is so much more painful than the wound quite often because the wound of the way the mother I was being and not able to be more was was not nice but when going back and facing that and mm-hmm. apologizing for it and but I mean knowing that I did my best I do believe yes. I did my best and that is day. Like, that is I the really way do. to move through the healing journey is to yeah. compassionately love yourself knowing that you did your best and we all did our best yeah. when you know we didn't know how to deal with and handle our stuff, but it's, it's challenging because I look, I, I still have it at times. I'll look back on things that I, behaviors that I was having, ways I was in relationship, ways I was with friends and family. And you know, it'll hit me every so often. I'm like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe yeah. I used to do that. And I understand yeah. it. And I see why I did it because I was, you know, I was driven out of abandonment wounding or fears of rejection or betrayal or whatever it was, but it's like, Oh, a bit yuck. <laughs> yeah, I, no, it is. And I mean, I, I just a little bit of um, context with my babies who, yes, I love my babies. Yes, I've always been a great mum, looked after them. You know, like I was, like I said, I, um, yeah, I, I know that I had done a great job, but I also felt like both times I gave birth, I didn't tell many people at the time, but I thought that you give birth, the baby comes out and that like the books say or like the movies say that the overwhelming sense of love comes upon you. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have that either time. I did not have that. And that had, that ate me up. That ate me up so bad because these perfect children came into the world. I looked at them and I actually said in my mind to my little boy, I don't know you. Like I mm-hmm. actually was like, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. And I, like I said, I had the most beautiful pregnancy. I, I was blissfully happy but the second I gave birth I did not know who he was and I have I had one girlfriend confide in me that she felt that way but most people don't say that so I thought something was broken in me I was literally broken I thought and I knew even though I knew that you know the (laughs) gift you received sorry to cut you off the gift you received in the using your voice and the speaking your truth and living more in alignment with truth or as much as we physically possibly to our knowledge can, that is the gift because then we start to heal ourselves and others because the reason you felt so alone was because nobody else had spoken their truth to you or to the world about 
the fact that yeah. this can happen. Yeah, exactly. So me thinking I was just broken, like completely broken, that something was wrong with me was not obviously ever going to help me heal. I'm getting going into that ceremony and I had this other download that when my babies literally came out of my body, the second baby was on my bathroom floor, like, you know, go me. Like it was, it was amazing, right? But, they, but she still came out and I still didn't know her. And mm. I had this download in that ceremony that when my babies came from my body, because they are actually part of my body, their cells are still in my body, I didn't know my own body. I didn't know myself. So when my babies came to the world, I did not know them. And just a mirror. And that's a, it. Is it's, and that's okay because it's not. It doesn't mean I'm broken. It means mm. that I did not know how to put these pieces back together. And you know, coming coming back to the whole ancestral lineage and the ancestral wounds, I then saw my my mum and my dad as children. And they didn't get the, they weren't showing that connection from their parents. And I, and I, I, I saw that and I said to them as children in, in, you know, with my voice, I said, I understand. Like, I mean, they, yeah, beautiful parents loved me. Like they, they were great, but they obviously had something missing with their connection with their parents. So there was something missing with my connection and then, and then, and then there was something missing with my connection with my children. So it was like the wound was just repeating itself. Because I know, I know for a fact that my mother didn't connect with her mother at all. Like she didn't cry at her funeral, you know. Mm. And, and again, it, this isn't like this is nothing against my beautiful mum. It's just that this is what happened in her life. And and I noticed these things because I, I saw these wounds. Thankfully, through reading and learning about these about about such things. And was able to say, okay, let's let's heal this. Let's heal this motherfucker. I'm not I'm not <laughs> gonna live, I'm not gonna pass this on to my children because this is not a way to live, you know. Like I need to I need to come back to myself first. So that was what that was what the next ceremony was about. It was all about my body and loving my body and, and also loving my bulimia to the point where I was hugging my vomit bucket and talking to it and saying, I'm here, I'm sorry, I'm never leaving. Like I, I understand that you just didn't know how to deal with your pain. You know, mm. people don't just get eating disorders because it's fun. Like that's just not what happens. So it was facing facing that. <laughs> Again, my beautiful bedmate said, yeah, you talked a lot to your bucket, <laughs> to your mama bucket. And it was just honouring it, saying, look, this is, this is, it sounds really strange, but the vomit coming out of me was part of me and this is, it was just part of honouring it and hugging the bucket and saying, I, I'm, I, I'm by hugging my vomit bucket, it was like I was healing that part of my life, mm. accepting it, saying, I'm, you know, that little, little girl that was scared that became bulimic, it's not her fault. It's nobody's fault, you know, and, and I'm here for you and I'm not leaving. That's, that's what I was sort of saying to, to my bucket. No, that's beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so that was what um, a lot about about my body, and I mean, just flashing back to right now with about how I'm applying this. I actually the healing with my my children and I has been just gorgeous to see, and my daughter and I say this thing to each other all the time, and she's nearly three, and I say, "I love you forever, heal together," and she mm. says it back to me, "I love you forever, heal together." And we just mm. like that's that's what it is. It's he and and even when I got back from doing the plant medicine, my son 
was waking up at night screaming for me and it was almost like he was saying, I need you now, Mum, I need you. And it was healing, you know, it was just beautiful because I'm not going to just now come home and feel guilt about it and think, oh, my children missed out on the mum they needed because it's not, it's not about that. It's about, like you said, it's, it's giving the gift to recognising why I was the way I was what, and, then, and then healing it and it was, it's beautiful. And having them witness you heal is so much more powerful than anything else. And even though they're small, they're still witnessing it energetically. And this goes back to the ancestral wounding and what I learned. I read that book, um, It Didn't Start With You, which was such a fascinating and profound book for me. Um, But understanding that even when we're small or even when we're unborn, like we're in the womb, or even when something is never spoken about, the energy is passed down. So, mm-hmm. you know, and the energy that's being passed down right now is healing energy and yeah, it's transformational absolutely. energy. And it's, it's this strong energy of, and belief that we can always heal. We can always grow. We can always expand. And just because they're little yeah. doesn't mean they won't benefit from that because they are living through it with you. Yeah, absolutely. It, it really is. It's, it is just really beautiful to be able to do that with them. And yeah, I'm very, really grateful. So yeah, so that was the basis of my of my ceremonies. And I literally, I was quite, I was quite naive. I had still, I had been talking to you about things. And, and remember when we, I won't go into the details, but remember talk, we were talking on the bed and you said, this is after our third ceremony, and you said mm-hmm. to me, I am worried that there's some, you thought that you were worried about there was some sexual sort of abuse from your past. Yeah. I had this really strange visions coming and I was like this, I feel scared for myself and rightly apprehensive that I'm going to discover something about myself that was something to do with sexual abuse or sexual, something inappropriate from my childhood. But at the same time, it didn't make sense. And I was like, am I, is that just me resisting and rejecting? And I just couldn't quite figure it out. And I, it was a lot for me to voice it to you, actually yeah. talking about speaking yeah. truth. I was wow. like, I don't even know if I want to see whatever this is, let alone talk about it beforehand. But anyway, what ended up happening, <laughs> you can. Yeah. So we were just lying on the bed and you were telling me how, what, what you were feeling. And then all of a sudden I said, oh my fucking God, I just remembered. And I had instantly, you had prompted something from my childhood that, like that was sexually very inappropriate and that I had pushed down. I had pushed, pushed, pushed. And that was the beginning of sexual trauma for me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even think about it. And then when I did, when I brought it up to you, I started crying and I thought, oh, my goodness, I, I, forgot, I have not thought about that in however many years. And just bringing that up, getting some understanding around it, it started the healing process. and. It literally, it, it was part of that sexual trauma that started at that, you know, that sort of semi-young age and then piling on all the other things on top. I feel like um, giving birth, which for me was um, extremely painful, that was just an added trauma for me. You know, I felt like yeah. the trauma, it just kept adding and adding on top, on top. So 
starting recognizing that that was the start of the trauma for me maybe that and I do believe there was a, a lot of ancestral trauma sexual trauma coming through but it was part of acknowledging that and starting to be able to heal and and that yeah that was something else that it gifted me because I never would have really remembered that before without without you prompting that to me so well, and that was just such a strange experience because as soon as you realize like we both realized that was yours not mine Um, and it was like, oh wow, you know, just how connected we are. And particularly in a space like that, where there's really, you know, one, we've been in Dieta for a month. So we're very clean vessels where then I think that was, well, that would have been Thursday. So we were five days into being at Saltara with no distractions, no phones, no nothing. And being in this, you know, clean eating, very open, but very safe space and just, you know, that part of that for me, um, just to reflect back on is the, un- has been the understanding of how sensitive I've always been to other people's energy yeah, and, absolutely. um, what's been going on with other people. And I never, ever knew how to deal with it. I mean, I didn't even have yeah. words for it, let alone yeah. knowing that it was other people's and not mine, you know, like, yeah. and, and me learning absolutely. to speak my truth has only been you know, since I started this podcast really, so a year and a bit and it's probably about a year. Um, and as I said, it was still hard for me to even like voice what was coming up for me. And, and then we discovered that it wasn't mine. And that's been a big part of my journey and something that I've really been working with a lot actually since the pandemic and the isolation, because it became much more apparent for me when once again, I was isolated from everybody else. Then I would start coming in contact with people. And it was like, over like feel overwhelming my system and I was like whoa yeah. so I've been working with energy healers and certain um, plants like yarrow and different flower essences and essential oils that wow. help me understand my energy and what's mine what's other people's contain mine allow other people's energy to just you know flow through me like I don't need to necessarily yeah. put walls up and protect but I just, I don't need to hold and and contain because that's part of all of this. Like we're already dealing with all of our own stuff and holding and carrying, but because of my misunderstanding of what's been mine and what's been other people's, I've also been carrying a whole lot of stuff that wasn't mine, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You were holding it and I wasn't holding it with it. I didn't know I was holding it. Like Mm. you were holding it. You were the one that was upset. And then I went, oh, okay. So yeah, that was, that was something pretty profound. And which, and I mean, I'm still, I'm still healing that, um, mm-hmm. the sexual wounds I'm still healing, but it's, I never actually knew that I had to before, you know, I didn't yeah. really understand it was a thing. I just thought that you just suffered that you know, when you were young, things were painful and I just, or, or there was inappropriate things happen. I didn't really, I just thought it was, that was what it was. And we don't know any different until we're shown different. So It's actually interesting. I'm just thinking back because all the work that I was doing at Saltara um, in January was around healing my relationship with men, with my father, with myself and a lot of sexual trauma and sexual healing. So I guess it's not surprising in some ways that I like tapped into that of yours because that was such Mm -hmm. a focal point of my own work that I was doing at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And see, mine was so blah. Like, um, my banner was huge. Like I said, I said, I want to heal. Like I, I didn't know where, when, what, like I was, I was pretty broad going in there. Whereas you let me hone in, you helped me with my intentions about 
you know, you and you said to me, you said it would be interesting to get an idea of where the bulimia came from. And then I had that vision of of myself as a child, and I thought, wow, Sarah, you really really know your stuff, eh? like you really, you know, <laughs> they were ever yeah, you said that to me. You said it like at night time. It'll be interesting to see where it came from. Um, but yeah, so I remember sitting in in the circle with our beautiful oh, Sotara family, which I just love. And I thought I was, I had come and I was healing and everything was great. Like, yes, it was, and I should mention physically tough. It, it was very physically tough for me. I I had a lot of pain in our ceremonies and I feel like it was ancestral pain, a lot of um, a lot of vomiting, a lot of diarrhoea, a lot of just feeling horrible. And I remember at one point I said to the facilitator, the main facilitator, I called him over and I, I said, this is just so painful. Like I, when does this stop? You know, like, I can't, this is just so hard. And he just said it. I think I might have said to him, when did the pain stop for you? And he said, it will never stop, darling. You know, like as in you don't have to be in pain all the time, but the pain is, you know, it's not about part stopping of being the pain. A human, yeah. Yeah, it's never going to stop. And, oh, my goodness, I was so upset when I heard that because I really at that point thought I just have to get through the pain and then it'll be okay. But it's not, it wasn't that at all. It was feel the pain, you have to go deep in and then you can come back out. And when there's some more pain, you have to go deep in again. Which is a very nice, and that's where I come back to this uncomfortable, far out it was uncomfortable, writhing on the mattress. I can't believe I'm doing this. Oh, my God. It was just, yeah, it was full on. But fourth ceremony came along and it, I remember said, this is the closing ceremony and this is where, you know, you, your crown chakra has been so open. Oh, that's the other thing. The crown, my crown chakra was literally beaming up, Scotty. My crown chakra was so open. I felt like I had, there was an invisible vortex between my brain and the universe. That's how it felt. It was like my, my it was literally like um, a feeling like my crown had something on it and it was shooting to the stars, mm. which I didn't really even, which I think is beautiful again because when you're not told what you're going to feel, like, you know, they didn't, nobody told us how we're going to feel or what we're going to see. So when you actually feel it without knowing what it is, it seems so, it's so much more authentic, mm-hmm. you know, like not without, if you said to me, oh, Anna, sometimes you feel your crown chakra, it opens up to the universe, then I may have felt that. But because no one said anything to me, I just sat there thinking, whoa, something's happening to my brain. Well, and I know, think all of our like, experiences are so unique and Soltara do yeah. a great job of kind of framing up some of the common things you might feel and just things like purging and maybe, um, feeling like you're going to die and feeling yeah, like you're dissolving. Yeah. And they, they kind of do a really good job of just prepping you for some of these just key things that are a little unnerving and um, that, that just help you to stay with it, I think, because yeah, you don't yes. know anything. You can be a bit like, oh, my God, it's all gone wrong and, you know, I'm the one person that's going to die from ayahuasca or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. you know, they do a good job of framing it up. But the reality is there's infinite other things that can happen and infinite experiences that we all have that are all so different. And even I've had 10 ayahuasca ceremonies now and they've all been so different, you know, every single one. Yeah. Yeah. So different. Yeah. So, so yeah, sitting in that beautiful circle, I'm thinking that, yep, I'm, I'm on the healing path. Everything's great. 
Then the next, the final ceremony, the closing ceremony, I say that with inverted commas because the head facilitator said, take a small dose, dot, 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 unless you have to do more work. And as soon as he said that, my whole body went, oh, yeah, that's, that's me. Like I am not closing. Like this is not what I'm, I have to go hard. And uh, it was just like that, again, that instinctive nature that we don't actually tap into as much mm-hmm. in our modern world. I instinctively knew, oh, yes, I need to have a full cup straight away. And I was the first one to drink. So he tapped me on the knee and said, you're first to drink. And I was so excited because it meant that I would get first into the medicine state because I was ready to work, you know, like I was naively ready. And I had my full cup. And I guess to put it into context, I think a lot of people, I think had maybe a quarter to half a cup. Some of the Yeah, I only had about, girls. I have about a third on the last night. Yeah. 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 So me having the full cup was me, but I just needed to get something. I didn't know what it was, but I just needed something. So I had the full cup, went and sat down on my mattress and then went, oh dear, because it was just, I was completely gone and I still had to somehow get up to go to the toilet. And I remember making it to the toilet thinking, how am I going to get back? Because I couldn't, you can't yell out. You can't go, oi, come and help me. Because it's, it's a beautiful ceremony and I don't, you don't want to interrupt people, but at the same time, the medicine can actually make your body so heavy you don't know how you're going to move. So I eventually got back to my mattress and closed my eyes and then I had an instant spiritual awakening. <laughs> that has completely changed my life. So, but, and mind you, you all were still drinking. Now, now people hadn't even finished the drinking part of the ceremony. <laughs> so I was in a spiritual land, completely terrified. And I opened my eyes, looked around, and everyone was still having their ceremonial drink. And I thought, oh, I've got a long night ahead of me. So I closed my eyes again, and what I saw was that for starters, I was dead. I was no longer me. I was, I was energy in the universe. So I knew I was me, but there was no body to go with me. It was just my, it was, I can't say spirit because I don't actually know what it was. I just felt like it was me in the, in the universe and around me besides stars was the energy of it was actually really terrifying because it was the energy of, of dead people. But as I was sort of tapping into this energy around me, it was, it was, it was dead babies. It was dead. It was dead people. It was, it was really, really traumatic. But at the same time, when I was in this universe, in the universe, I was getting comfort knowing that once you die, everything is okay. It's not what it seems. Like it's not what we've been taught. What I felt like when I just die and go into a box in the ground and that's it, it was this overwhelming sense, even though there weren't any words spoken, it was an overwhelming sense of you will, you do not just die. You are part of the universe. And I was almost getting to the point where I wanted to, tell, I wanted to share this with people. That's how important it felt. Like I want to share this with people 
who have lost loved ones. I want to share this beauty that I'm seeing. But the beauty, it was, it was, it was that double-edged sword. It was like beautiful, but it was also really painful because the realisation that it doesn't just end is like 38 years of my life was a lie and that I was realising that the universe was infinite and that we are infinite. And I opened my eyes and I looked around and I, and I, I think I told you this, I was, I was so upset. I was angry at, at, at you and the facilitators to start with <laughs> because I said, why did you let me come? Why did you bring me here? Why? And, and, of course, it wasn't anybody else. It was me. It was what I needed. But I can't even explain unless somebody really, I guess, has had a similar experience. But when you think something about yourself and about your life, and about the world, and then in literally in five minutes, you are everything's just shattered. It was just everything had been ripped open, and I, I, I was just so melancholy. I just remember lying back on the bed and thinking, "This, this, you know, I can never ever unsee what I just saw and what I just felt." And it was, yeah. That was the beginning of a very, very difficult few months, actually. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that instant, that universal truth that I, was, that I felt was, it was very, very painful, physically painful. I mean, I don't even understand the physical pain because the medicine doesn't make you feel physical pain, but, it, but the physical pain was real. It was, it was physical pain of my ancestors shooting through my body. That's mm-hmm. how it felt when I was in the universe and I was saying to them, I'm a vessel for, I'm open for you. I'm here to help you, to help us all heal. I'm here and I'm, and everything's okay. But yeah, I remember getting, that was, I think pretty much the whole, that whole awakening ceremony. I then alternated between being in the universe to being in the, in the mud and the dirt and not only was I physically purging into my bucket, but the heaviness of the medicine felt like I was hallucinating, hallucinating that I was melting into the dirt and that I was no longer human. I was no longer a mother. I was no longer a wife. I was nothing. I was just part of the earth. And that feeling didn't go away for a couple of days, that this feeling of becoming part of the universe and the earth and not being me anymore was, I guess it was the, a typical ego death, which I didn't understand, but I found some comfort afterwards knowing that that was an ego death, mm-hmm. that the, the construct of whatever I thought, whoever I thought I was, wasn't actually real. Mm-hmm. It was, I was brought up in a certain family in a certain time of, the, of history in a certain place. And that's, that became Anna. That's who I was. And that's not actually even real. And so having everything that you feel and know just melt away like that, I kept saying to myself, I just want to be at home in my mum's lounge room right now. That's all I want. I want to go back to being me and not worrying about, not, not knowing what I know now. And mm. it was, yeah, the, as soon as the ceremony finished and they said, you know, that's the end of the ceremony, I grabbed onto my other bed buddy, my beautiful friend next on my right hand side I grabbed his hand and I just I was like kind of shaking and I grabbed his hand and I said are you okay and he said something beautiful to me about his experience and he said are you okay I I wasn't okay I was like shaking and I said um 
I don't know, but I, I think I'll be okay. And I just started smiling. Like, I was like, I think I'm just going to have to work out what I just saw. And he said to me, like, and but he knew that I was struggling because I said, I just, I think I might have just said what happened. And he said to me later, he said, it was beautiful to watch you. You came out, you came out of a really painful experience. And I knew by watching you smile, though, that you were going to be okay. He's like, I just knew that you're okay. He said, you know, even knowing that you had, like, you know, air quote, bad experience, he said, I knew it was, it was what you needed. You know, he said the bad experiences, not that they're not bad, but that the, those... Well, I mean, the whole, lives. yeah, the concept of good or bad is such a human, you know, we label yeah, things like that. Exactly, yeah. That's yeah. the fear that I always had with psychedelics and things was like having this bad trip or whatever, but yeah, it, I mean, they're not. And, and they're even, not bad. Even maybe yeah. a bad dream or something, like it's not pleasant necessarily, but it's part of the experience and the lessons and the depth of growth and, you know, positive shifts that come out of it are often much more than those from the more joyful, you know, illuminating um, experiences. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. And he said, I knew because from his experience that those tough ones were life-changing. So he said, I knew straight away that you were going to be okay. And and then I remember going to the, to the, the bedroom when you were there maybe that night or maybe the next morning and I just remember crying to you saying, Sarah, I, and I told you what I saw and you just looked at me like I was just ex- talking about the, the coffee or something. <laughs> like you looked at me like you knew exactly what I was talking about and you're like, yes, babe, yeah. And I was like, but it, I saw this and I died and I was dead and I was this and I was, I was in universe and, and this and energy was this never ending energy. And you just said, yes, babe. And you said, I'm so sorry that it's so hard, but yeah, this is, this is what I felt my whole life. And I just remember thinking, I'm so grateful that you understood, but just thinking, well, that's, it was even more painful because you were cementing what I just felt mm. like and what I saw. You know, you would, and when I talked to the facilitators, I went over the next morning and I, and I walked to their table and I, I was, again, crying and shaking and I, I said, I need to speak to you because I'm having a, and they said, existential crisis. I said, yes, I'm having an existential crisis. And they took me aside and they said to me, the, the thing that I remember most of all was that you are a, a, you are a butterfly coming out of the cocoon and it's very painful you have to feel the pain to be the butterfly, which is completely true because apparently the caterpillar turns himself into mush yep. and it's very Dissolves. painful for the caterpillar. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it's very painful. And, and again, it's, that, it's a pain that you do not, it's very tricky to pinpoint what you mean by the pain, but, but it's, it is raw and painful and it, that pain lasted well, I mean, the, the psychedelic experience didn't wear off for quite a while and probably for the lack of sleep but also from how open it made me. So mm-hmm. it was about 30, 40 hours later when I finally came back to my body, which was a rough 40 hours. <laughs> what did I say to you the next night? I was, I was holding your hand in bed telling you that maybe I should jump off the building, maybe <laughs> you should just die. You know, I can't, then, I can't specifically remember yeah. that. I remember lying there and, and I actually had feelings of like, oh my goodness, like 
is this somehow my fault that she's here? And I had to let go of that and be like, no, like we all make our own sovereign choices. And, you know, I never, I never once called you and said, you should go to this place or anything, but it was just this like, oh my goodness. Like how did Anna end up here? Am I so irresponsible (laughs) for like writing about this stuff? Like, oh my goodness. No, no. And that's the thing. It was, I mean, I think I, like I said, I blamed you and the facilitators for like three seconds because then I realized it's not, that's not true. And I remember saying to you, I can't breathe. I can't breathe because every time I close my eyes, I would, I would be back in that psychedelic experience of melting into the earth. And you would, I'd say, I can't breathe. And you said, but you're breathing, you're breathing. You are, you're breathing. And, and I said to you, even if I jump off a building right now, nothing ends. Yeah. Like, that was that was another realization of mine. I've never had a, had suicidal thoughts, but it was the feeling of now that I know that we are endless. You can't there escape. Is no, there is no out. Escape. Yeah, there is no out. That's a big one. That's yeah. That is a big one to wrangle with when you, especially when you are feeling hopeless and you start feeling yeah. like you want it to end, which you know, in our human construct, we start thinking about ending the human life. And then it's like almost a deeper sense of overwhelm that like, that doesn't fucking end anything. Like, I mean, if anything, it's just like, well, you don't do your work. So you're probably going to get, end up back pretty quick. Yes, that's what I exactly. Yeah. Again, not that I was going to jump off the building, but the thought of jumping off the building the fact that it would ne- wouldn't help, or I said, I think I said to you something like, "I just have to come back and do it again." Like <laughs> there, is, there is no, there is no end. I have to, I'll have, I have to face this, and and that was about, oh, I would say, three months, um, three months long of bawling my eyes out every day about what I saw, what I felt, who I was, and somehow trying to incorporate that back into my family life, and. My husband actually said to me after a few weeks, he said, you came back worse. He said, you came back way worse. That's what he said to me because I was just a mess. And, and then after it was, it was hard, it was, it was hard. I mean, I, I immediately started healing with my children, but the healing with, with my husband and myself, it didn't, because I, I felt like I, that you and my Soltara family were the only ones that understood me. So mm-hmm. when I talked, when I spoke to him, I, I felt like I, I was looking through him. I said, you'll never understand. But it wasn't that it, because once I started healing with him and letting him in, I realised he didn't even need to go to Sultara because he was already there. He was, mm-hmm. he was already part, like his, the, the life partner I had chosen was already so awake and so in touch with the earth that we, or we could just join together and be and and understand each other more. Mm-hmm. So it was it was really beautiful. So that was, but it took a while. It really did. It took a lot of a lot of tears and a lot of a lot of. I guess I was speaking to you about it. A lot of saying I don't. I I would go back into those. It's almost like you go back into that psychedelic experience when you have that intense awakening. You go back there. Like over and over and over and over, and I remember listening to. I think you put was it was it re rewild the re the wildlings the rewildlings or something podcast that you may have shared, mm-hmm. and she said she said something that helped me like 
the, the biggest thing that helped me on that, on that, what I felt like when I was going, I felt like I was going crazy. But she said, when you have a spiritual awakening, like you are a certain person and you think you are, you think you are Anna Stoker and this is who you are. And, and then when you have this spiritual awakening, she said, it's not unicorns and rainbows. It's, it's gut-wrenching pain, bawling your eyes out on the kitchen floor. Mm-hmm. And she said, I mean, I'm not, no, no, not necessarily always, but this is how she explained it. And it made me feel so at ease because she said, it's screaming and crying on the floor. And she said, she said, your brain has learned something in its 38 years of life. When you have that awakening, your brain sometimes shits itself because <laughs> your much. brain cannot understand that you went from this inside this bubble to this expansive, never-ending soul. Your brain shits itself and you just can't cope. And as soon as she said that, I was like, oh, thank gosh, because she also said that once your brain shits itself so bad, like mine was, and you then start to start to come back, when your brain shits itself the second time, it has a marker. So the marker of shitting itself is still there and it goes, oh, hang on, I've been here before. <laughs> Everything's going to be okay. And that is what started to happen over the next few months. Like, okay, I'm back here. I'm, I'm freaking the fuck out again. But... I know I've been here before and everything's going to be okay. And, and that is where I am now. So it's not as intense. It's definitely not as intense as it was when you, when your brain starts to just not forget. I think um, what came up for me when you were talking about that night where you really, you were like, oh my goodness, like this is what I saw and what I understand and that we're infinite. And I was like, yeah, like what was going on for me was like, oh my fucking God, like I I could see why I've struggled so much my whole life. <laughs> like watching you struggle with dealing with it in this moment, in this kind of context where I guess that's what we were sort of doing. Um, and it brought me back to like all my memories of my childhood and lying in bed at night just thinking about the infinite universe and the unending nature of it all and not really having anyone to talk to about it or understanding it. And, you know, I don't even know, I think I might've spoken to my mum sometimes trying to get a handle on it, but I just, I just had this, I guess, wanted you to tap knowing or something. What's that? You go to a counselor and they tried to get you to tap into your angels and you got really scared. Yeah. That was when I was like that was in my twenties. Um, yeah. So I think what happened for me and the way that I look at it and rationalize it now is, or understand it now is like, it was sort of like I was awake and then, but I didn't know how to deal with it. So I would like numb out and escape. And I just tossed and turned between that throughout my whole life. So, you know, as a little child, I remember just knowing that I existed beyond Sarah. I just knew. I was like, I don't believe that we would just die. Like who the consciousness that I have and the existence that is in me, I just knew that it had to exist beyond this. Um, even though I didn't necessarily remember before I was born, I just, it all felt too infinite. 
but I didn't know what that meant and I didn't know how to talk about it. And obviously we had, you know, I was going to church and learning about heaven and hell and that didn't really make a lot of sense to me either, but there was something there. And, and then I think in my late teens, my intuition kicked in. It was so strong. That was really overwhelming for me because I couldn't tell the difference in the end between, you know, I was, I started getting fear and anxiety and worrying about things. And then I didn't know what was like intuition and, and knowing and what was just like my fear. And then in my twenties, I just wanted to shut it all down. And I started waking up, I think again, I guess you would call it like for me, it's just been such a weird iterative process and so much resistance. And it feels like only really this last sort of probably since I started working with ayahuasca and particularly this year where I've fully just settled into it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even going to pretend that this isn't (laughs) reality anymore. I mean, reality isn't even, there isn't even reality. It's just, I don't know what it is, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I feel like, I think early on in my marriage, I started waking up and I did go to that um, therapist for a while who was like very spiritual and things started happening. And I, I sort of was leaning into it for a while. And then basically, as you described, like things in my life started changing that were uncomfortable. And so I kind of just backed away from it. And I, I, there was one specific session where we went in and I was like, okay, I want to like connect with my spirit guides and stuff. And then I started just feeling like very overwhelmed in my senses. And I was just like, no. And all I wanted to do was get out of that office and never go back there again. And that's essentially what I did. So there was just a lot of like toing and froing and struggle and challenge for me and resistance, but like not really being able to deny it either. Um, That I saw all in one with you, like watching you struggle so much with it, how overwhelming it was. Yeah. was such a gift for me to go like, no wonder it yeah. was hard Yeah, your whole life. Yeah, like, exactly. No and wonder. you're doing it without the support. And like you said. Well, I just, and I just yeah. felt totally alone and I felt crazy. I felt like I was the only person. And I didn't know if what I was feeling was real, but I knew it was what I felt and what I thought. And uh, yeah, anyway, there was such a beautiful learning for me and like compassionate love for myself and for what I was going through and for what you were going through and for what we all go through in our different ways. Yeah. yeah and I remember saying to you, and I said it to a couple of um, our, my besties from the trip, I said, do you wish that you could go back to sleep? And all of you said sometimes yes. Like yeah. it's hard. Like, and that's, that's what I kept thinking. I want, it's almost like I needed to know, is it worth being awake? Like, does this get better? That's kind of what I kept trying to get. Like, is it going to feel this bad or am I going to start to be glad? And and another beautiful girl from the trip said it's very messy because she'd had her awakening a few years prior and she said it, it's very, very messy or can be very, very messy and it then will be the best thing of your life. Mm-hmm. So that, and I have, I realised that, pretty early on that it was the best thing for my life, for my healing, yeah. for my family. Like, wow. I even said to my chiropractor, I, I had a little session with her and I told her all about ayahuasca and she was just absolutely enthralled and so happy to hear about it. And she said to me, now that you have done this, your son probably won't need to go do ayahuasca. You know, yeah. he would have had, like he would have 
carried it all. But now that you've done it, he doesn't need, he might not necessarily need to do ayahuasca. He may just need to go and spend a weekend alone with his thoughts when he's a teenager or something, you know, like you are doing this. And that's Mm -hmm. just so beautiful that other people can see that, that you are doing this, not, you're not just doing it for you at that moment. You're doing it for the people that, that you love, like all around you. Totally. It's not just our children, it's everyone in our life. And no truer statement can be, you know, that when we change, the world around us changes and the people around us change. And it is the only work we can do is the work on ourselves, but we start to see the shifts. Um, What was the saying I heard the other day as well? Because I think when we first start to do this work, we can think, I want everybody else to do it and I want to help and save everyone. But there was someone said this, I can't remember, but it was um, a lighthouse doesn't run up and down the beach looking for ships to save. It just stands there and bees the light. And it's like, that's, that's what we have to do. We just do our work and we be the light. And that changes the world around us for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, no, that's beautiful. Yeah. So no, well, thank you for letting me go through all that because yeah, it's definitely brought up the emotions again, but it's, it was just, yeah, the best thing, the best thing of my life. And, and everyone who knows me knows you because I've, you've been in my life my whole life, really. They all know and they all go, oh, that's why you went. Like, Because people were freaked out at first about why, what I was doing and then they were like, oh, okay, it's, it's all good. Sarah's gone. Like it's almost like <laughs> they all, everyone had felt like you were my guiding light as well. You know, that's how it, and so, yeah, it's really... It's really beautiful. I'm really grateful. It feels very divine that we ended up there together. And I'm really grateful for you coming on the show today and sharing all that because I had, um, you know, just a few more moments of integrating my experience back then. Um, just, I think that's one of the most amazing things is that we can spend probably our whole lives, you know, getting more and more gold out of these ceremonies um, and these experiences that we go through and revisiting them and talking them through. I find that every time I do, it's like, I'll see something a little differently or a little deeper. Yeah. And, you know, because with time as well, we have new perspectives and new lenses and that, that time in January for me has led me into, you know, by far the most healthy, loving, beautiful, conscious relationship romantic relationship of my life. And I'm so grateful. And I know, you know, talking it through with you and remembering, like, I know it's because of the work that I was doing at that time in my life where I finally healed all of that sexual trauma, all of those, you know, past patterns and behaviors and mostly around the abandonment wound. And, but also a lot about the toxic male energy that I was carrying with myself and the stories that I had about being a woman and oh, I mean, yeah, I'm not, I, I've talked about it before on the show, but it, where I am now in my life and the relationship that I'm in and what we're creating together, I'm just so grateful for, for going. I'm grateful to you because actually you're the reason I went in January because you yes. said, will you go with me? <laughs> Remember you said to me, well, do you want me to go with you or do you want to go alone? And I said, okay, I'm going to think about it. And I had a shower and I was going, okay, let's see what, what, not, not what's the right answer. I'm not, I don't mean right answer. I mean, what do I feel? And I tapped into it and I said, oh, I need Sarah with me. Like, you know, if I had said to you, I want to go by myself, you would have not come. 
but I, I said, I need you with me. And then you're like, great. And I was just so excited that we could do it together. And then it, I wouldn't have had the same, if I didn't, if I had, if I didn't have you there, I wouldn't be in the same position I am because I was able to lean on you. It was a good few months that I had to call you every day. I was crying so much. Remember I would call, call you every day and um, we just being able to go through that together, just knowing that I had your support was just priceless. It was. I think something else that's so beautiful that's come out of it is I can truly say this. I've never felt your love for me the way that I do now. Oh, I know. And I think it's so amazing because I think it was just your general, you know, block for giving love out and being able, mainly really being able to receive love in for you that got shifted. And the way that I feel you and your energy and our connection now, and I would never have known it before because I didn't have anything to connect it, uh, to compare it to, sorry. You know, we were always close. We were always connected. I, we always loved each other. I have no doubt about our love. Um, but the way I feel it and experience it now is just so different. And I'm sure you probably feel something similar. So yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, really absolutely. cool. No, it was, yeah. What a huge year. Oh yeah. Sorry. I was going to say one more thing. When the whole lockdown happened, which actually turned out to be wonderfully healing for our family so we're very very lucky to be in that position where we got told we have to stay on our acreage together it was the perfect timing for us but at the same time you said to me pre-soltara anna would not have taken it as the gift it was Mm. no like and that's like the because i actually i mean yes i'm going to have anxious moments but anxiety itself that I thought was part of me and part of my life it's like it disappeared when I detoxed my body with ayahuasca it was like it detoxed I've never really had anxiety since the first time I did ayahuasca either I mean I still have my moments of maybe bordering on anxious thoughts or whatever but really like I don't consider that I experience anxiety anymore the way that I did which is I battled it my whole life as well. Yeah. And I, I, part of me believes it really is because we find answers that our soul knew was there and we couldn't tap mm-hmm. into them. Exactly. That's and all of the you know? Western medicine and pharmaceuticals when it comes to mental health, um, you know, is just treating the symptoms and numbing out from really just deep inner work that needs to be done that will permanently relieve and move these experiences of anxiety and depression. That is my belief or um, understanding, maybe. I try not to attach to any beliefs, but that's my understanding based on my own experience. Yeah. And no, honestly, I do. And and that's why when people ask me, you know, how I've been able to not, like how I've been able to manage and really not feel anxious anymore. I mean, I don't want to say, oh, look, you've got to go do ayahuasca because it's not like, you know, it's everyone else's journey, but it really, it really changed. It changed it. I just don't have the same, the same anxious thoughts anymore. And it's just, yeah. Oh, what a, what an amazing gift and a gift from nature that's there for people to have. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I always say, I know like I have a very skeptical family member who's, who thinks that, that what you see is kind of the same thing. Like take this plant and you'll see this. Mm. But it's literally exactly what you need. And it's 
and it's not it's not easy it really isn't hard biggest challenge of my entire life and and I've gone through 40 hours of labor without pain meds like it is literally physically the most toughest thing I've ever done and the most likely you know next to having my babies the most life-changing so so grateful Uh Uh oh it is not for the for the faint of heart oh my goodness (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh, I, I love that we can talk about it like that. Like, oh, it's, it's, um, yeah, no, not for the faint of heart. Well, thank you, my sister. I love yeah. you. I'm so grateful for you coming on the show and sharing all of that. Um, before we go, I do want to just talk about, because we are talking about the plants, let's just talk a little bit about your business because I'm so proud of you and I don't usually do business shout outs or anything like that on the podcast. I mean, it's not really usually relevant, but I think this is kind of relevant because I know um, you work with essential oils, you sell essential oils, and I know they've been a really big part of your healing journey, both before and after ayahuasca. So I'd just love to hear a little bit from you about it and then we'll tell everyone where they can um, connect with you as well. Yeah. Oh, great. Thanks, Dylan. Um, Yeah. So I've been using essential oils for a while and I started my business with Young Living at the end of last year. And after I took all my oils with me and I know you're obsessed, (laughs) obsessed with some of them because they're my favorite too. Mm -hmm. I I took the oils with me when I um, sat with the medicine and it was after that when the puzzles, the pieces of the puzzle started to go back together and I looked at the bottles of plant oil that I have these beautiful bottles and I just looked at them differently like they were my little bottles of plant magic to heal you know I looked at them differently before doing ayahuasca and now I look at them I look at them with much more respect and they are obviously a lot more mild than the mother ayahuasca (laughs) but they are actually like I said I said to my husband the other day it's like they are they are a hundred percent from a plant, and we use them on our bodies to heal. And that is literally. And my husband says it's nature, honey. It's just that connection. That's what it is. And that's just opened up my eyes differently to the spiritual side of oils. And the more open I am to learning about the spiritual side of oils, the more they help me. So they're not just about healing physical or helping physical ailments or helping your emotions. They are actually about connecting to the plant in a totally different way. So, I mean, even before I did this podcast, I used some beautiful grounding frankincense and myrrh and rose and and, a, and blue tansy, which are just really beautiful and grounding. And I went from kind of in a bit of a tears trying to run, run my kids out the door to just being grounded and ready to start with you. And as well as having that release, like the, I use my oils a lot to have an emotional release and that in itself is beautiful and healing. So yeah, really, again, really grateful to be on that path and feel into it differently after working with Mother Ayahuasca. Mm, It's amazing. My connection with the plants and nature has definitely become stronger and stronger. And um, in my more recent ceremony, my most recent ceremony, I was shown the power of the plants energetically. And oh my goodness, it really, it was a lot. It was very intense. And you know, they showed me that um, they could devour us in a second if they wanted. Like they are that powerful, but that's not what they want, you know, and they're here to work with us in harmony and in concert. And it was 
you know, really intense, but really beautiful. I've been working also not only with the oils that I get from you, but also with um, flower essences, which is really mm, cool. Yeah. So I've got um, a set of 38 bark flower essences and been putting them in my water. But yes, it's all completely amazing. So if anyone is interested in oils, best way to get you is on Instagram at Organic Mama Life. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Amazing. And we'll have the links to that in the show notes and everything. But yeah, follow Anna, reach out to her. And uh, I know you chat with a lot of your community on Instagram and stuff and have made yeah. some really good connections. So it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I do a lot of with nature because we're living on our beautiful acreage. So the oils and the plants are just second nature. The indoor plants, the outdoor plants. It's just it's it's a lot of plants, and it's and I'm married to Mr. Plant, so <laughs> it just all fits, and it's amazing. And I so love it. Cool. All right, well, I will let you go. Thank you so much, darling. Thank you, darling. Love you. I love you too. Bye. Bye.